Are you looking for truth from God's Word that you can understand and apply to your life? You'll find it today on Make It Clear with Dr. Stan Pons. Listen now as Stan makes it clear. I dropped my friends off, but I went back to her house, and then we prayed. And then week after week, we began to pray together, etc. Remember, I trusted the Lord in November. By Christmas, she gave me my very first gift, which was a Bible, an old Schofield Bible. And she had on the flyleaf of it, she wrote, Either sin will keep you from this book, or this book will keep you from sin. Hide these words in your heart, and that way you won't sin against the Lord. Now, she didn't want me to sin because I'd lose my salvation or something. She doesn't want me to do that. Well, that happened month after month, year after year. And through a series of events, we realized we really love each other. And so now she is my wife. Can you imagine this now? 51 years, she's my wife. And so we lovingly say, yes, she is my sister in Christ because we have Jesus and God as our father. And then she's my wife. But in a special way, she's also my mother, you know, so she has helped me in those early years to focus on the Lord, to know the importance of fellowshipping in a good church and reminding me the importance of having a deeper life of getting in the word of God and praying, but also reminding us that we're saved to say so. We don't just have a no-so salvation. We have a say-so salvation. And from then on, we just have been in ministry literally ever since we were in high school. So we're high school sweethearts, but we were already serving the Lord uh, together. And uh, that's been our life ever since. And I'm so grateful. So uh, publicly, I just want to say thank you, Carol, for your love, forgiveness, mercy, grace, all that you've given to me to help me be who I am today. Well, that's a love story. And in so many ways, she was able to bring you to a point where you could hear the gospel, accept Christ as your Savior. You became friends and later on married. Now, I first met you probably around 1976 when you were teaching at Florida Bible College. You didn't just start teaching there right after you uh, got saved and got married. So tell me what your journey was to get to Florida Bible College and eventually become a teacher there. Well, um, it began with a continual um, heartbeat for my friends. Basically, I was their age. But it also came with... uh, ignorance of the Bible y'all couldn't understand. I didn't know the Old Testament from the New Testament. When I sat next to Carol before I got my own Bible, she would um, go to a Bible passage as the leader was speaking and I would read the passage, but then I'd read all the verses after and I keep reading all the pages that were after until he told us to turn to another passage. And so she knew I didn't have a Bible. So at that time, I really was so grateful for the Word of God that she's given to me. And then I got a little booklet called Our Daily bread and then also the little study booklets from radio bible class back then and i would devour them it was almost immediately that i chose to read the bible the old testament in the morning before i went to school the new testament at night before i went to sleep so i began this journey with the lord from the inside out we might say from really knowing his word and wanting to know his word as ignorant as i was but i also knew that i'd like to communicate the word and it's still that radio thing but it kind of it didn't die but it wasn't as focused on, you know, TV news and weather and all that stuff, but it was still communicating. And then I thought, you know, I'd love to teach teenagers. So as a teenager, as I went to the youth meeting, it was to learn, but it was also, how do you work with teenagers? Because I wanted to have a Bible study just like the one that we had. And in my own little convoluted way, I thought, I want to lead one. I don't want to just attend one. 
So we started going to, every time my parents would let me go out at night, Carol and I would go to Bible studies. We didn't do dating. I, maybe that was dating. I don't know. But whatever it was, we didn't go to movies. We didn't do any other stuff. We just went to Bible studies. We'd take notes, bring our friends. I learned how to play the guitar there to play, you know, uh, Christian songs that we could sing together at the youth meetings. Learned how to begin to put together a message. And even thought about going off to seminary or Bible college. But all of a sudden, Satan started to stop me. And he began to use my dad. My dad was in business for a long time. So what he wanted was a legacy family in the same family business of construction. Even the the uh, painting contractorship was named after my dad. So they kept that name going in it as well in Miami. We did a lot of work in Miami Lakes when, the, when it was just a cow pasture and they were starting to build it. So he did all of that and a lot of commercial work, hotels, a lot of things like that. And so he was going to kind of bring his sons into the business. My brother was already there in it, and I was to do it. And I had to come in one day, and I sat my brother down and my dad down, and I said, what do you think I should do when I get out of school? And I was shocked. They said, well, obviously we want you in the business. But I said, yeah, but what else could I do? And they said, you know what, Stan? We watched you. My brother was much older than me. He said, you ought to be either a preacher or a teacher. I had no idea that already there was these, um, uh, I guess, manifestations or whatever you want to call it, that I I had a a direction in the preaching and teaching. So about six months later, I announced to my dad that I'd go to Bible college. And he says, all right, try it for a year. If that doesn't work for you, then you can come into the business again. The only other caveat is when you're not at school all summer long, after school and on weekends, you will work. So I really had a lot to do to learn the Bible, have a side job and also have the extracurricular stuff that I needed to do for ministry as I headed into Bible college. So I began Bible college in 1968. Well, that tells a little bit about where you get your work ethic, Stan. Uh, You're one of the hardest working people I know, and it seems that that was instilled in you when you were quite young. So you you started attending Florida Bible College, and that was back in the Miami Grove era of Florida Bible College. Mm -hmm. And did you graduate from there, or did you move up to Hollywood uh, and graduate, or...? How did that happen? The school began in 1962, but by 1968, the place was packed. They needed more room, and so they were looking for property. And the old but very historic Hollywood Beach Hotel on Hollywood Boulevard in A1A came up for sale. And they got it at a fire sale. I think they paid only a million five for it or something. You can imagine this historic building that was built in 1926 now. Very, very well built. And so when they bought it, it was in 1972, and so I was in the middle of my junior year. So I did move up with them. And so I completed it in 1972. But while I was there, besides learning this, I I was involved in student government. And then I was involved in starting different youth ministries. I remember one we started uh, in 71. That summer, I took six kids and I trained them all summer long about reaching others and living a life for the Lord and knowing the Bible and what we would do, what the youth ministry would look like, and then how we would vision this thing to be. And it took me all that time to take those six kids. And then we launched it in September of 71 when the kids went back to school. And by March, we were averaging 418 junior high kids uh, at the meetings. And it was a stellar thing. So that's how I got into youth and was speaking and government. And occasionally I'd speak in chapel. And whenever there was an opportunity where I could do a Bible study or something, I, I wanted to speak and tell people what God was giving me in my time with him. 
in the Word. God was giving you the opportunity to be that communicator that you wanted to be, but maybe in a different way than you thought it ever could be. As you moved through Florida Bible College, you eventually graduated, you became a, a teacher there, and Make It Clear started sometime in that time frame, is that correct? It really did, and I'm, I'm, and I like to talk about how that began, but I need to go back just for a moment because it is tied very much together. I was concerned that as I spoke, that I might not be scratching the listeners where they itch, that I was not communicating uh, the Word of God. And so it was even back then I began this mantra that I want to speak accurately or correctly, clearly, but also with urgency. I wanted people to respond to what we're saying right here. So when I was doing those little Bible studies when I was 18, 19, 20, 21, I invited one of the best speakers that was a faculty member at Florida Bible College to come to my youth meeting uh, unannounced, whenever he wanted to, sit in the back, and I wanted him to evaluate my communication skills. And so then after it was all over, everybody went home. But 10 o'clock at night, we found a little coffee shop. And he would take out his yellow tablet. And he would then say, Stan, you did good here. You should have said it this way. You might want to begin it this way. So even then, the Lord was privately grooming me so that I could speak better. I'm forever grateful to Bruce Porter, who has been a part of my life, to help me to do that. And in fact, later on, when Carol and I got married, he was in our um, our wedding, and we did eventually attend his Bible study as well. Now, that being said, that got me into this whole mode of, I need to present the Word of God clearly. Now, what kept that going, though, was that Florida Bible College and its graduates were also concerned about the accuracy, clarity, and urgency of the gospel. And so I was surrounded by others that was always, were always listening to whoever spoke. Did they give it biblical? Was it correct? And then, was it clear? Could I understand it? And then finally, did he really care if I even understood it correctly? Was it urgent? So we were kind of born with that. Well, then the strange thing happened. How did Make It Clear get born? Well, again, God does wonderful things. And I need to pause. You listeners, I want you to know, be aware, be alert, not only to Satan, who's a roaring lion around you, but also be alert to the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world, who is bringing things into your life, taking things out of your life, because he wants to use you in some special way, because you are unique. You are divinely designed. So I'm now teaching a night school class at Florida Bible College. I've graduated, and uh, the class had lay people in it from the community of Hollywood, students that needed to get an extra credit or something. So they were in the class. And at the end of one of the classes, uh, a gentleman came up and he says, you know, you've had a profound influence on my life. And I, I want to do something with you. And is there anything we can do to serve the Lord? And, and what? Here, here's what I got. I'm a major sales representative for a major paper company. And I get paper that's free, lots of paper for free. And I don't know what to do with it. Do you know what you could do with this thing? And when God brings something that's free to you, immediately ask yourself, how can I use this for the Lord? So what do you do with paper? Well, I said, I'll print literature. Okay. And of all the literature you could print, what do you think is probably the most important? A pamphlet that will explain the plan of salvation so that a person could read it with the Word of God in there and the Spirit of God and then come to faith in Christ. So we began doing little pamphlets. And one of those pamphlets was 
Why didn't someone tell me? And we call that ministry soul winning ministries. And so I will forever thank Gene Ledbetter, who God brought into my life. And there's a lot more with that and how God brought him from one denomination that was really unclear, actually inaccurate, and brought him through a life journey that now he is a pastor serving in North Carolina with his sweet wife, Gail. Now back to that, that started with a pamphlet ministry. And then we began to add other things into make it clear ministries, plural, after that. And there's quite a story uh, in the name, uh, Make It Clear Ministries, and we'll probably touch on that a little bit later to how God used that name in different ways. But as you started this track ministry, Make It Clear morphed into some other things. What was the next chapter in Make It Clear Ministries? All right, after we did that, we knew we needed to have a booklet. And so I thought, okay, now that we believe, what do we do? Bingo, that's the name of the booklet, Now That You Believe. Well, what do you do now that you believe? And it was a booklet that talked about how to read, not just read your Bible, how to read your Bible, how to meditate in the Word, how to pray, not just pray, how to fellowship. What kind of fellowship should you really be having? How to share your faith, not share your faith, but how to do it. So it was, now that you believe, what do you do? So we got that. And then we started thinking, maybe we could do radio. But by then, my my life began to take a journey away from Florida Bible College because of uh, deep family need. And um, what happened is that we moved to North Carolina, and Carol's sister at the time was 33 and was dying of cancer. And so we needed to be there for the family because the husband wasn't doing much and other things. So we moved up there. And that was a life experience of training and grooming for me way back in the mountains of western North Carolina, literally. But as I was getting to do this, I thought, wouldn't it be great if we could now put together a radio program that listeners could listen to and they would hear little vignettes on how to share their faith, how to open a conversation, how to move it into the gospel, what the gospel is how to close the conversation, how do you bring it to a decision, what do you do next, how do you handle questions or oppositions to the Bible, those kinds of things. And But I didn't want it to be a full-length program. I just wanted it to be a, like a five-minute program, a minute, minute of intro, minute of exit, and three minutes of teaching. But I wanted it five days a week with fresh material every single day. Well, televangelism, a national ministry at the time, was teaching me how to condense what I wanted to say in just a few minutes. And so that helped me do that. But I thought, how in the world are we going to do this on radio? I have no money. We have nothing. Don't even have equipment to record it. Nothing was there. And so I asked my dad, I said, Dad, what do you think I should do? He said, Stan, it's better to expand when you have money in hand. I thought, ooh, that's good. So then I waited, and about a month later, I went across a trade journal that had a particular recording piece of equipment in there, and it was a discounted rate. And I went to my dad, and I said, Dad, you are such a wise man. This is at a reduced rate, and because I waited, based on your influence in my life, I can get it cheaper, so I should get it now. And he said, well, you can, but I said, once you have all the equipment. Well, I didn't have all the equipment. I just had this one recorder here, and I needed more. So I said, I'm going to take my dad at his word. I'm going to trust the Lord and do what dad said, even though I didn't understand. I'm kind of scratching my head. Didn't that make sense to wait? It's cheap right now. Let's get this to start. And uh, But I waited. We left North Carolina after Carol's sister passed, and the family was stabilized, and we went to San Antonio, Texas. The vision never left me 
for radio and this make it clear thing. Now, we hadn't started our ministry called Make It Clear, but now it's starting to to get a little bit more focus. So I went into the local radio station. It was a actually a big Christian radio station on their FM dial. It was real popular in the city at the time. It was two of them. And I talked to the guy who headed up the program or the, the station. He was so excited about this. He said, you know what? We need this program. You've never done it before. So why don't you use our equipment? I will give you a key to this office building. I will give you a key to our recording studio. You can come and go and my technicians will show you how to record this. In fact, we'll do this for you and you can broadcast. So make it clear the radio program launched in San Antonio and then it went other places, other stations in San Antonio. The, the, the historical Christian station in San Antonio is KDRY and so we love the people there. We've been on that station now for many years. They've got a great program, great, great audience as well. So that started us in our early broadcast days with Make It Clear. Now, I'll make this quick. It was five minutes a day, five days a week. Then we started to do a live call-in talk show, and then that morphed into longer programs, and we were on the, uh, every day we were on the air because people really wanted what we had, that really what God gave to us, we were just giving it to them through our program, Make It Clear. That was the name of the program. So then we needed to come up with a better name for our ministry, and we called it Make It Clear Ministries. I want to take a little bit of a rabbit trail here, Stan. Sure. It sounds like your dad was a great influence in your life, even as you started the ministry after you were saved. At this point in time, was your dad saved? No, he really wasn't. He a moral man, for sure. We had a good relationship. Uh, my dad did a lot with me um, to really demonstrate a father's role in my life. I, he, his dad died when he was 16, and so he didn't have a lot of modeling. So however dad got it, he was hitting home runs with me, spending time teaching me how to drive, teaching me how to throw a baseball, and all of that. But he never knew Christ as Savior, and that really burdened me, especially after I graduated and I was teaching personal evangelism as a course at Florida Bible College. I could lead others to Christ. I can train others to lead people to Christ, but I couldn't even lead my own dad to the Lord. And so Carolyn and I became more and more burdened about this, and I needed to be more intentional. So I said, let's pray about it. So I announced it to the class if they would pray for my dad's salvation. And then Carol and I would covenant to pray every night before we went to sleep for dad's salvation. And of course, in my quiet time, but nothing really happened. And then I had this idea, I don't know how long, maybe a couple months later, whatever. Why don't I take my dad out to dinner and not try to lead him to Christ, just try to love him to Christ. And so we met at a restaurant. And it was odd because I came in the front door and dad was, um, they had, you know, these restaurants, they're family restaurants, but they have a little bar, a little section over there where people can get something to drink. And dad was there. And I was, I didn't know if I wanted to go up to the bar. Here am I. I'm a professor at Florida Bible College. The school is about a mile and a half away, 15, 1800 students. Someone's bound to see me do this. And so I thought, I don't know, but I thought, well, my dad needs Christ. And Jesus ate with publicans and sinners as a purpose to reach them, not as just have fellowship. And I'm going there to reach my dad. So I walked across the threshold into this little bar area. And as soon as I did, my dad turned around again. He was not a drunk or anything. He said, oh, Stan, I'm so glad to see I missed you. And he then said quietly that what I would do, he said, "Um, you know, Stan, I know you don't feel comfortable right here. So so how about if um, we meet in the restaurant? So he sat in the restaurant and dad then very lovingly said, I'm so glad we could get together 
and he started talking. And I began to ask him a lot of questions about his life, his business, and what he did. So I got him talking about himself, and I was interested to know. And he went on and on and on and on. And then at the end, he said, well, Stan, I've talked too much about me. What you been doing with your life? And I thought, oops, here's my chance. I asked God for an open door, as Colossians chapter 4 says. I've asked God for boldness, like Ephesians said. And so if I got boldness in this, I'm asking God now for clarity. So I said, Dad, I teach people how they can know for sure they can go to heaven when they die. And I share that all over the country and, and in my class. And he said, really? You tell people how to go to heaven? Well, how does a person go to heaven? Now, dear ones, listen to this, okay? I've been telling Dad for years how to go to heaven, but he never really was engaged. Whatever that was, he didn't connect. But that night at that restaurant during that meal, he asked the question, basically, what must I do to be saved? What's the message? So I told him, this is what the Bible says, that God loves you, that Jesus died, he rose again, that to have eternal life is not based on any human efforts, whether they're social good deeds or religious good deeds, but it's based on what Christ did for us on the cross when he died and rose again. And where Jesus said, if you believe in him, he that believes on me has right now everlasting life, you can know you're going to heaven. So I share that with my dad. And, and after I finished up with that message, I said, dad, if you could know right now how to have eternal life, would you like to know? Would you like to trust him right now? And he said, I'm going to put it off for a month. When I thought, oh, no, oh, no, I wanted to do it now. But I knew he wasn't ready. So I teased my dad and I said, well, dad, can you do me a favor between now and next month? And he, he said, well, what is that, son? I said, don't die. You know, because I know if he died, he wouldn't go to heaven. And of course, he joked about that. And we let it go. And of course, we continued praying. And those of you that have been where I am in that time in my life, you know what your emotions are. You're nervous about next month because you've already given the message to your family and they've shut it down. And you know, oh, this is going to be such a letdown. I'll bring it up and dad say, I don't remember. What, did I say? I don't remember. Whatever it is, it, it would go nowhere. And I was afraid of that. So met at the same restaurant. This time he wasn't in the bar. He was waiting for me in the lobby. And we went to go sit down. And after we ordered our meal, Almost immediately, he said, Stan, do you remember what I said last month that I was going to do this month? I thought, yes, I do. This time you really got it. And I said, okay, Dad, you remember that going to heaven was by faith alone in Christ. Would you want to make a decision on this? And he said, Stan, I really would. Do you know what happened? He said, last month, between the time we met and now, a man gave me a Bible. And I began to read the Bible. And I have some questions. Now, folks, here's what you need to know. My dad never graduated from school. He only has an eighth grade education. He was never a reader. His news came from television, and he'd read little things, but not anything that was anything, really. Just light, very light reading that he needed to do. And now he's reading the Bible. And this time, it was the King James Version. They didn't have all these other versions. And he said, I came to this passage where Jesus turned the water into the wine. How did he do that? And I thought, that's a legitimate question. But the answer is very simple. How did he do it? He's God. And he does miracles. And this is a miracle. And you know what my dad said? Well, I can believe that. So I said, now, Dad, are you ready to trust Christ? He said, well, you know, I may curse a little bit because I've um, I'm, you know, been in the construction and they do that as part of your vocabulary. I said, is cursing a sin? Yep. But when Jesus died on the cross, did he pay for that sin? Yep. So is that sin paid for? Yep. Then do you have to go to hell to pay for it? No. Why? Because he paid for it. And he went through a couple other illustrations like that and questions and all of them came back to the same thing. All sin was paid for for all time when Jesus died on the cross. And now that full forgiveness becomes 
yours immediately forever when you trust Christ as Savior. So dad said, I'm ready to trust Christ. So right over a bowl of soup at the Round Table Restaurant on Hallandale Beach Boulevard, A1A in South Florida, my dad trusted Christ as his Savior. And when it was all done, he lifted up his head. He had tears streaming down his cheek. And this rough and tough, hard-to-diaper construction worker never cries. And there he is. And he says, oh, Stan, I am so glad that I trusted Christ because you're going to heaven, and now I'm going to heaven, and we're going to be there forever. See what kind of a dad I had? A humble, gracious, grateful man. I'm so grateful for that. But his next response went like this when I said, you know, Dad, you know you're going to heaven, and I know I'm going to heaven, but Mom doesn't. She needs to know how to go to heaven. And my dad slapped the table and he says, yep, she does. But boy, is that going to be hard? (laughs) Well, needless to say, about a year later, my mom also, through another series of events, placed her faith alone in Jesus Christ. And you listeners, as you're listening to me right now, my mom and dad is in heaven at the feet of Jesus because they trusted Christ as their Savior. So what are the lessons? Please trust Christ as your Savior so that you can be with other loved ones in heaven if you have not trusted him yet. And if you have, and you have loved ones that have not trusted Christ as Savior, don't give up on them. Remember, you want to love them to the Lord. You don't have to lead them to the Lord, but they still need to hear the message. So never give up. Bathe them in prayer and look for the opportunities where you can graciously and humbly share that message again, and maybe again, and maybe again, until they trust Christ as Savior, but never give up. You're listening to Make It Clear with the teaching of Dr. Stan Pons, founder of Make It Clear Ministries. Make It Clear is dedicated to taking the Word of God with clarity into every person's world. It is the support of listeners like you who make the ministry of Make It Clear possible. You can provide your tax-deductible gift to Make It Clear online by going to makeitclear.org. Or you can mail your gift to Make It Clear, P.O. Box 607-901, Orlando, Florida, 32860. Thank you for helping us make it clear. If you would like to have Dr. Pond speak at your church or event, please send us an email at tellmemore at makeitclear.org. Thank you, and remember to make it clear. Thank you.